From CPR News, this is Colorado Matters. The people who oversee Colorado's elections are getting death threats. Sometimes their families are named. We're in this situation right now for two reasons. One, because of a lie of a stolen election, which absolutely is a lie. The second is a failure of leadership for people who know the truth to stand up and speak the truth. Election officials must keep themselves safe, even as they keep your vote safe. Today, the head of the Colorado County Clerks Association on the coming midterms. This may surprise you a bit. When our clerks talk to somebody who's an election denier, we invite them in to work as poll workers. We would rather them learn the truth from the experts than the lie from the grifters. Matt Crane, a Republican, testified before Congress recently. What he told them. Thank you for supporting CPR. Every day, your membership is put to good work serving communities across our state. You ensure that news and music remain freely available to Coloradans everywhere. Your generosity helps make it all possible. This is Colorado Matters from CPR News and KRCC. I'm Ryan Warner. We are about to experience the first big election since the chaos and lies that emerged in 2020, which is why this week and next, we'll focus on Colorado's election system, which is admired nationwide, and we'll meet some of the people who run it. Let's start with the head of the Colorado County Clerks Association. Matt Crane recently testified before the Senate Judiciary Committee in Washington. Colorado has long been considered one of the best examples of secure voting in the country. We pride ourselves in having found the right balance between access so that all can exercise their right to vote and security so that all can trust in the outcomes of these elections. But even in our exceptional state, developed over decades by state and local election officials from both political parties, we are feeling the impacts of the insistence on conspiracy over facts. That is from this summer. Crane, I'll note, is a Republican, which means he's often at odds with people in his own party who embrace the big lie. Matt, welcome back. Nice to be here. Thank you. Lots to catch up on since you were here last. But I'm curious, in addressing the Judiciary Committee, were there specific minds you were trying to change? And did you? The goal, I think, was to build awareness around what election officials were were facing. Did we build awareness to it? I don't know. I think I'd like to think so. It was a very interesting process. You know, most of the members of the committee aren't in the room at the time of the testimony. There are other hearings going on at the same time, so they would come in or alternate, take turns coming in to listen or to ask questions. So, you know, I I had hoped to be able to speak to directly to more of the Republicans on the committee, just to say, look, this is a real thing. And as, as Republicans, you know, I'm a Republican. You know, we have to step up and lead on this issue to push back on the lie and to start rebuilding public faith and confidence in our elections. So that was a little disappointing, but I also understand, I mean, it was true on both sides of the aisle where, you know, members would come in, they would sit for a few minutes and then have to go, they would alternate between hearings. And so- It's like the uh, rudest dinner guest. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly right. Um, Exactly. uh, And, you know, I suppose some of the realities of Washington, but it sounds like it wasn't as satisfying an experience 
as you'd hoped. Well, look, I mean, any opportunity that we can have as election officials, and not just me, there were other election officials from across the country that were there, any chance that we can go and bring more public spotlight and scrutiny on what election officials have been facing since 2020, it's never a wasted effort. It's always a good thing. So I know it did receive some media coverage, which is great. So I would never say it was a wasted effort. You mentioned specifically hoping to reach particular Republicans about the big lie. No doubt because there were some people on that committee who are helping propagate it. You know, I I tried to go and do research before I went. I think a lot of people on that committee have tried to walk a fine line. And one of the things I said during my testimony or during the Q&A part was we're in this situation right now for two reasons. One, because of a lie of a stolen election, which absolutely is a lie. The second and probably as big a reason is a failure of leadership for people who know the truth to stand up and speak the truth. And if we can't rely on our elected officials and our leaders to be able to do that, then we're in far more trouble than just in the election space. Was there a particular name you were trying to reach? No, just generally speaking, I I was um, truly, I just wanted to speak to all the members of the committee, you know, hopefully have them hear or read my testimony. Because I, you know, I do think that not just me, but the other election administrators that were there that day really captured and did a great job talking about what election officials are facing. And a part of what they're facing is threats. You yourself have faced them. One tweet implores Coloradans to step up, dust this cockroach before he has babies. Someone else called you another rhino scumbag, rhino, Republican in name only. It would be a shame if something happened to him. It also invoked your wife. And then there was this voicemail. Hey, Crane, you better lay off Mesa County because they're going to come after you if you don't. They don't like you out there in Colorado, you stupid, dirty, crooked. I wonder if you're scared. And if you are, if you even think it's worth saying, because I don't know if you want the person who left that message to have the benefit of knowing. When, when something like that happens, um, it's, it, it definitely makes you nervous and you do things. I mean, my wife and I have, you know, taken different steps to be more precautious, um, to protect ourselves and our family. You know, there's been other things that have referenced our, our children. You know, we should put a bullet in their head or we should hang them. Don't forget their children too. You wouldn't want, Jeez. you know, the idea to live on. So it's, it has been quite something, but, you know, my wife and I had a conversation early in this. Um, you know, I don't mean to sound cheesy or overly dramatic, but if, if good people do nothing, then evil wins. Do you turn these over to law enforcement? Absolutely. And has anyone been Not that I know of. Um, you know, law enforcement, the FBI, um, they have to be very careful. There's very little that they can give us. And I understand that, right? Active investigations and such. But they have been extremely responsive, at least in terms of acknowledging receipt of these complaints and, you know, talking to me about different things, um, not just related to me, but election officials here in Colorado generally and with some of the work I do across the country. So they, I know they're doing the best they can to look into all of these and chase down where the line is crossed into illegal activity. I'm curious if you think these threats are coming from within Colorado or if this has all been nationalized, you know, kind of like the Tina Peters story Mm -hmm. in Mesa County, which has gone well beyond that county. Indeed. I think what we are seeing here, look, claims of stolen elections are not new. And we've seen it from people on both sides of the aisle, losers on both sides of the aisle. 
What we've seen after 2020, though, is unlike anything we've ever seen before, both in the volume of it. Of course, it comes from, you know, the highest elected office in the land, um, which, you know, we had never seen anything like that before. But I think what we've also seen and come to understand since then, it is that this is an extremely well-organized and well-funded activity that's going on, not just here in Colorado, but across the country. And you see a lot of the same cast of characters who are involved in driving this across the country. It is funny. I was speaking to a group of election officials um, that were here for a conference in August. And here in Colorado, we really like to talk about, and there's great interest in other states, about our election model here because we do balance access and integrity and security really well. So, you know, we, we like to talk about what we do here. But at the same time, I said, look, what I, I'm proud to stand up and tell you about the great things we're doing. I also have to apologize for you because for some crazy reason, we've also exported some of the most notorious election deniers that started here, that started their garbage here, and it spread across the country. I mean, you think about it, a lot of the Dominion stuff started here in Colorado. Dominion voting systems and a lot of uh, false claims about the security of those systems, the connectivity of those yes. systems. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, well, so that's, that's interesting. So it's it's a bit of a, a loop. In other words, you see Colorado as something of a birthplace for this. It, it gets seeded nationally, and then it comes back to haunt you in Colorado. Right. Well, in a lot of Lindell's um, election integrity. Yes, guy. yes. He started that group, Cause of America, and the leadership from that came here from Colorado, from USEIP, which is um, the election conspiracy group that got started after 2020. And then, of course, Tina Peters, um, that happened. And I think where these bad actors, you know, looked around and they saw a low information clerk who didn't understand her job or her systems. And that made her a very easy, and she's overly political in that role. It made her a very easy target for them to go and, you know, pull a psyop on her to convince her of these things that aren't true. And the irony is she had the ability to demonstrate they weren't true the entire time. And she never took any of those steps. And so that's one of the most frustrating things. And of course, standing election officials in Colorado standing up and pushing back on that, that's led to intimidation and threats against those election officials. So it's uh, Another there's far-reaching cycle. effects. That's right. Uh-huh. That's right. Besides doxing and threats of physical violence, there are other ways some people are trying to influence elections. The Washington Post reported that in recent weeks, supporters of former President Donald Trump have swamped local election offices across the nation with a coordinated campaign of requests for 2020 voting records. The paper says that in some cases, those requests have paralyzed preparations for the midterms. Have you seen something like that in Colorado? Oh, 100 percent. Not just here in Colorado, but with our colleagues all across the country. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it comes back to uh, Mike Lindell and his efforts. You know, he had another one of his, I don't know if it was a symposium, you know, I I think more like a clown show um, in August in Missouri, where they said they were going to again reveal the stolen election. And again, nothing happened. But as a part of that exercise, they implored people to go and put an open records request for cast vote records and ballot images from 2020. And of course, clerks want to follow the law. They want transparency. And so I understand the idea of fulfilling those requests. How would you tell a nefarious one from a non-nefarious one? No, you you can't. And I don't, you know, I don't think that government should be in the place of calling balls and strikes like that. If you get an open records request, the people have the right to petition government for information. And so... Counties do their best to fulfill that information if it exists. You know, in this case, though, where you tell people to go out 
and just inundate these offices with this request. It's not a good faith effort to get cast photo records and ballot images because really you only need one person to get it and then they can share it with everybody. What this is designed to be is a denial of service attack on local election offices so that it cripples them. Um, really what they want to do, they want to create chaos, they want to cause confusion, and they want to push people into making mistakes so they can come around later and say, see, this is what happened. So um, it's, it's a remarkable strategy for people who seem to care about election security. It's well, and it's stunning, too. You're exactly right. These people who claim to be, quote unquote, election integrity activists. But think about what they're asking for. Right. Think about what their ultimate policy game is. Let's not forget. Right. The people that are driving this are in this for they're grifting for either political purposes or financial purposes, in some cases, both because they raise money. They raise money. That's right. But what they want is an election model that has voting on only one day, very limited absentee voting. They want hand-counted paper ballots in precinct polling places. Now, we already have hand-counted ballots, but think about this. So let's walk through each of those step by step. They want to go to election day or voting on only one day. So what does that tell you right off the bat? They want to suppress voter turnout. That's the only way that they think that they can win elections, right? Two, they want to go to hand-counted ballots. Hand-counted ballots... And it's demonstrated, I mean, this is a fact, hand-counting hand ballots is less accurate than tabulating ballots on a voting system. So they want a less accurate way to count ballots. They want to suppress voter turnout. They want a less accurate way to count ballots. And three, they claim they're about election security. There is no way that you can recreate the security protocols that we have in a central count facility at 200 remote precinct polling place locations, you can't duplicate, you can't replicate the same security protocols. It's just impossible. There's not enough money in those facilities, probably aren't going to let you do the work that you would need to do to be able to do that. A lot of them are private facilities. So these people want to suppress voter turnout. They want a less accurate form of counting ballots. And they want decreased security around the ballot counting operation. And these are, quote unquote, election integrity people? I don't think so. Politico reported that another potential threat may be internal. So volunteers, poll workers acting in bad faith. Uh, this piece from Politico stresses that this is so far an outlier. But how are clerks screening for this? And can they do so successfully? Like what, what if you find that someone volunteers who embraces the falsehoods of Tina Peters in Mesa County, for instance? Well, so this, this may surprise you a bit, um, but when our, when our clerks talk to somebody who's an election denier um, or they've been brainwashed by Tina and her thugs, we invite them in to work as poll workers. We would rather them learn the truth from the experts than the lie from the grifters. Are you letting the fox in the hen house? No, well, no, because we want them to come in and we have tight controls. You know, we really, we have a zero trust security posture anyway. Just just to put that differently, you assume anyone who's volunteering might have ill intentions. Might that's have, the safest assumption, right, for that, security. Right. And in terms of that also, you don't have single, you know, a single person doing any one thing, right? Mm -hmm. So as much as you can, you have bipartisan teams working everywhere. We just passed uh, Senate Bill 153 earlier this legislative session um, that said, you know, clerks can't be in certain areas by themselves. So we've really tried to tighten that up. You know, I don't know that it's perfect yet, but we're a lot better off than we were. And I think now 
you know, election judges have much more of a see something, say something mentality as well. You know, we invite them in. We want people to learn. Hmm. We've had great success in the primary. I've heard from numerous county clerks across the state that says, you know, this person came in. They weren't sure. They thought the election was stolen. And now they come in and they're like, we feel so much better about this now. This is fascinating. It almost strikes me as like a martial art. You're taking the energy of denialism and actually propelling it in the opposite direction by inviting them in and letting them see. Mm-hmm. So there's the way that we've approached this for a while is, you know, there's a small group of people who are driving the grift. And then there's another group that it doesn't matter. You know, Jesus could come down himself and tell them it's not true and they wouldn't believe it because they're so invested in it. But then there's this large opportunity group of people, people mm. who are suspicious. You know, they tend to believe that the election was stolen. But when you look at it, they've been getting information in a vacuum, right? They've only gone to one place for it from election deniers and grifters who push that. So our standpoint has been, again, come in, see what really happens. You know, you can see within about five minutes of working in elections that what most of those people have said isn't true. And once you start to peel off one lie of theirs, then that opens their mind, okay, what else are they lying? And then as they go through the process, they're like, well, wait, this person told us X, Y, and Z, and all of those are not true. And maybe the hope is that they tell a friend. Right. Then we want them to come, become <laughs> ambassadors, right, for what really happens in our elections. And look, let me, let me say this. That's not to say we don't have room for improvement in how we conduct our elections, both in terms of access and integrity. But what we do, people should have confidence in. And as election officials, we will keep pushing the boundaries um, to expand transparency, to expand openness, to expand integrity, as well as access. But again, come learn what happens from the experts. Before we go, your group created an award, the Guardian of Democracy, mm-hmm. and the first recipient is Chuck Brorman, mm-hmm. the clerk in El Paso County. He'll be on the show tomorrow uh, as a bit of a setup. What made Brorman the choice for this award, and what does it say that we're in a time where democracy must be guarded? <laughs> well, to your first question, you know, everybody thinks is Mesa County is kind of ground zero because of Tina Peters and, you know, her leading the security breach and violating her oath. Um, but it actually, it's been far more difficult in El Paso because, you know, you have various groups down there that are very passionate and they have been stirred up or incited to push um, the election lie. And Chuck Brewerman has stood up every single day as a Republican and looked Republicans in the eye and said, no, that's not true. Come in, I'll talk to you about it. He's, had, he's invited people in and they've threatened him. We'll either do this with you or through you. Unbelievably, he's had people in his office who have started a prayer praying that evil befalls him, which you know I'm not sure in the Bible where it <laughs> where anything like that ever comes from and these people call themselves Christians. So he has stood up every single day in the face of an incredible amount of tension and scrutiny um, and lies, and he continues to do the right thing. And election administrators across the state um, and many across the country look at what Chuck has done, what an honorable public servant he is. And we just felt like, you know, the last two years have been insane. Um, And Chuck has stood up and been a bright shining light. And so we needed to recognize that. We'll meet him tomorrow. Matt, thanks for being with us today. You bet. Thank you. I appreciate it. Matt Crane is executive director of the Colorado County Clerks Association. And indeed, we'll hear from the clerk in El Paso County named a guardian of democracy 
tomorrow as our election transparency series continues. Now, since we sat down with Mr. Crane, CPR's Benta Berkland broke the story of some 30,000 voter registration postcards going to people who cannot legally vote because they're not U.S. citizens. We asked Crane for a statement. I'll read that now. We are aware of this error made by the Secretary of State's office. While it is an issue and disappointing that this has happened for a second time since 2020, the important thing for voters to realize is that the mailing of these 31,000 postcards does not mean those who receive them will be able to register to vote. We will work with the Secretary of State's office to ensure that those who are ineligible to register to vote will be unable to do so. We also look forward to hearing from the secretary and her office about how they will ensure this will not happen again, end quote. And Benta will join us next with more on that story. This is Colorado Matters from CPR News. Inflation, abortion, the future of the state, the nation. Colorado voters have a lot to decide in the upcoming election. Actually, I am independent because I don't really like either party. I think the Democrats act weak. I think the Republicans act like bullies. I like the middle ground, and I'd like to see some more middle ground. Parse the problems, the people, and the possibilities of the coming elections with CPR News politics podcast, Purplish, anywhere you get your podcasts. The Secretary of State's office is working to figure out how some 30,000 postcards were accidentally sent to people living in Colorado, telling them how to register to vote. The problem is the people who got those postcards are not U.S. citizens. CPR's Benta Berkland broke this story. She joins us now. Hi, Benta. Hi, Ryan. And before we get to precisely what happened, we should be very clear. The state says there's no way the people who received these notifications could actually vote. Yes, yeah, that, that's right. The state emphasizes that if anyone who isn't a U.S. citizen tries to follow the instructions on this card and register to vote, Colorado's online voter registration system will just prevent their application from going through. So the postcards also outlined the state's voter eligibility requirements, which include that someone must be 18 years old by election day, a United States citizen and a Colorado resident for at least 22 days prior to the upcoming election. And hopefully the non-citizens who got these notifications read that information and realized they couldn't register to vote. So to be clear, the cards included the information that you have to be a citizen to vote. Uh, The state insisting there's no way then someone who erroneously got one of the postcards could register. I suppose, just as a metaphor here, it's like getting a credit card application in the mail. It doesn't mean you've suddenly got an active credit card. But are officials taking any extra precautions to make sure that, you know, that doesn't happen? Well, they said they're going to compare the list of the roughly 30,000 people who mistakenly received this registration postcard to the statewide voter list. And they'll do that on a daily basis to ensure no one's able to register. And then the state is also sending out another notice to these people to remind them that only those who meet the requirements are eligible to register. What do we know so far, Benta, about how this happened? The Secretary of State's office said the problem occurred when Colorado compared a list of potential unregistered voters. 
provided by this multi-state group Colorado belongs to, they compared that list with DMV records. Okay. And the DMV data included people who hold non-citizen driver's licenses. So these are licenses that allow people without legal residency to drive legally in Colorado. But the state says what happened is a formatting error meant that the system failed to flag these individuals as ineligible to vote. We spoke earlier in the program with the head of the County Clerks Association, Matt Crane, who's a Republican, and he notes that Colorado's election system is secure. He is eager to learn more about what happened here and how it can be prevented in the future. Uh, Suffice it to say, this mistake comes at a fraught time, and, and this isn't the first time this has happened? That's right. Two years ago, before the 2020 election, this same type of mailing also raised eyebrows. Um, It was alleged that some of these voter registration notices went to people who had died or were not citizens. So critics say when mistakes like this happen, it can and it does further erode trust in the election system. And of course, it comes after two years and some would say six years of extreme attacks on the integrity of this country's elections. And you can imagine that for someone who already has doubts, News of something like this just makes it harder for those people to trust that the election system is secure and fair. Why is Colorado sending out these postcards? I mean, the state already makes it really easy for people to register to vote. There's automatic voter registration that kicks in when you go to the DMV and you can register until the polls close on Election Day. Right. Well, Colorado is required to send out these notices to eligible non-registered voters. And it's part of the state's membership in this organization I mentioned earlier. Uh So the organization is a nonprofit called ERIC, and that stands for Electronic Registration Information Center. So 31 states are members of this organization. And the goal is for states to collaborate to improve how they manage voter rules. So such as, you know, keeping closer track of voter deaths, address changes, The idea is to boost voter participation. And Colorado was actually a founding member 10 years ago of this group under the Republican Secretary of State at the time, Scott Gessler. Ah, that's important context. Uh, Bento, what's next in the review of what happened? A a spokesperson for the Colorado Secretary of State, Jenna Griswold's office, said they're initiating this internal review of the incident and they will take further corrective action if it's warranted. Thanks for this reporting, the context, and I know you'll keep us posted. Thanks, Ryan. CPR public affairs reporter Benta Berkland. She broke the news that Colorado accidentally sent voter registration notices to some 30,000 residents who are not citizens. Those postcards did spell out that non-citizens cannot vote. I'm Ryan Warner, and this is Colorado Matters from listener-supported CPR News and KRCC.